So welcome again uh, to our first, well, not welcome again, but welcome to our first recording of the Lime Vibe podcast. This is your host, Yuri Kemp, and I'm sitting here with our first ever guest, Ms. Pamela Haynes from the United Kingdom. Say hello, Pamela. Hi. Hi, Yuri. How are you? All is well, Pamela. Thank you for joining me today, man. Uh, so uh, Pamela, yes, Pamela is from the UK by way of Barbados. So tell us, Pamela, tell us a bit about yourself. Let's start off right from there. Okay, I was born and raised in London, in East London, uh, particularly. Um, I went to local schools and um, got my first job locally in Stratford, working for Her Majesty's Crown Prosecution Service. Um, I was there for five years, so got quite a lot of experience working at the magistrate's courts in North East London and also at the Crown Court um, I had a change of career from the CPS to the probation service, and um, I was there until I retired in 2018. I am one of five siblings. Um, I'm the eldest and um, the first in the family to write a book. So it's quite something big for um, our family, and my books oh. are doing amazingly well. Oh, you're the first author in your family? That's, that's, how does that make you feel? Um, well, for me personally, it's about trying to get through um, my life goals of being an author. Um, I'm a avid reader, always in awe of authors. So to be able to do that for myself um, has been quite a major achievement. It feels good. Oh, how, does, how, do you, how do your family feel about you, your siblings? Um, they're very, very proud um, mm. of my achievements. And they're also involved in the process as well. So... Mm. The sister after me is one of my reviewers. I have a small mm -hmm. group of people who I share. Um, uh, each chapter that I write, I share with them and they give me feedback in real time. Mm -hmm. um, my other sister um, is my PR manager. So she arranges all my book launches and so on. Uh, my children are involved as well. Basically, the whole family is involved. Whenever I get invited to do something or to go somewhere, I try and bring a family member with me or a close friend with me so they can share the experience of either being in the studio or being on the radio. Whatever it is that I'm doing, I try to include other people on the journey as well. So this is a family affair. <laughs> Absolutely. And when I finally have my book launch for um, Loving the Sisters and Loving the Children, it's mm. going to be called A Family Affair because wow. I've got, you know, one of my sons is um, an, an artist as well. So he mm. does spoken word and so on. Another mm. one said he would do security for me. And my youngest son said that um, he will introduce me at my um, book launch so yes definitely a family affair my husband will also he's a photographer he will take all the pictures and so on so yeah I like to get the whole family involved so it's a family of artists so before we get into the book let's talk a bit about more about your background so yes. so tell me how is it uh, living in the United Kingdom as a, as a black woman from the Caribbean well descended from the Caribbean how's how's your experience being in the United Kingdom Yes, I mean, we're described as first generation in terms mm. of being born in the UK. So my parents hail from Barbados. Mm. My dad is from Bridgetown and my mom lives in the countryside. So she is from St. John. Mm. Um, so they met here. They met here in the UK. And um, I suppose it's, it's the first of everything. I'm the first child, the first to go to um, primary school and experience what the educational um, system is like here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the first to go to secondary school, first to experience what discrimination and uh. racism looks like when that raises um, its head. Um, so I seem to be the first to do, um, you know, to do most things and to experience most things. Mm. Um, I would say in the main, it has been a positive experience of growing up in the UK. You know, mm. I could go to the fridge. There was always food there. Mm -hmm. um, and there was always, I've never known a time when the electricity or the gas was cut off, you know, ah. in terms of opportunities yes. that came my way to, to do well. My parents did set up the circumstances and gave me those opportunities to try everything that I wanted to try. So mm -hmm. 
for example, I had ballet lessons, piano lessons, mm-hmm. um, you name it, Saturday school, went to Sunday school. <laughs> um, I had opportunities to um, experience yeah. everything and to choose yeah. for myself. So I'm very grateful that my parents worked hard, one did yeah. days, work days, one did night work to make sure that mm-hmm. we never went without. So I'm mm-hmm. very grateful for that. And you're able to transfer that over to your kids and your family. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the most fundamental things that my parents did was to make sure we saw Barbados as children. Yes. And, you know, you get an idea of what you think the Caribbean is like. Yes. And I was really um, grateful for the opportunity to see it for myself at 12 years old. Mm -hmm. So um, I knew that we had all the modern um, technology um, that, um, that we have in the UK. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I got to see um, Carnival and Cropover um, mm. <laughs> you know, with my own eyes. I yes. knew that whilst the Caribbean um, is poor or can have pockets of um, poverty, what mm. I did know is that we also had wonderful, you know, houses, properties mm-hmm. and the experience of seeing black people in positions of power, you yes. know, like they're pilots, you know, air hostess, you know, um, immigration officers. It was such a um, an experience that opened my mind to actually um, people do live differently and do live, have nice lifestyles in the Caribbean as well. Yes. So, yes. Um, so it's I'm not the plantation... That- it's not the plantation as it used to be anymore, you know. No, uh, things you know, a lot. not shanty towns, not um, people with flies buzzing about them, <laughs> nothing like that. And um, I wanted my children to see that. So when they yes. were quite young, I think one was three years old, the other was four. We went to um, Barbados and spent five weeks there. And I do remember taking them to the beach for the first time, 10 minutes from where my parents live. Mm. And um, they said to them, one said to me, Mommy, I didn't know all of this was here. Why didn't you say? Uh. Um, so, you know, we had secluded <laughs> beaches to ourselves. Uh, yes. They had an absolutely amazing time. And it's interesting, my young son, um, my youngest, he now complains, oh, all we ever do is go to Barbados, Barbados, Barbados. We don't go anywhere else. And I think to mm. myself, you're so blessed to be able <laughs> to have your own passport yes, and to yes. travel. And I bet if you ask children in your class, how many of them have had the opportunity to travel abroad? And you, you'd be surprised by the number of the people that don't. They don't, mm. you know, their children don't have passports. They don't have those kind of experiences. So I'm glad yeah. that I was able to share that a bit of my Caribbean culture with them. Yes, yes, yes. That that's such that's such a good experience. And just to say something, you know, the Caribbean beaches are not like Brighton Beach or like the Thames River. You know, it's it's clean and pristine. You would walk on clean white sand. So I know you must have been your kids must have been freaked out when they saw the clean white sand in Barbados, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. Flawless mm-hmm. and secluded as well. So it wasn't mm-hmm. crowded with um, not a tourist or a local person in sight. Mm-hmm. That particular afternoon, we had the whole beach to ourselves. And um, I said to them, if you want to go in, because I didn't have their costumes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go in, just take off your clothes and go in. So mm-hmm. it was a remarkable experience for them. Yes. yes. Did you partake in any of the uh, island fruits like uh, sea grapes and cocoa plums? Um, Cocoa Pods, yes, they um, (laughs) asked me recently to um, send in a chapter of my books to Mm -hmm. them so Mm -hmm. that um, my my chapter can appear on their podcast. So that's something I'm trying to get through with this year. Okay, okay. So let's let's jump right into the book then. So tell me a bit about the book, Pamela. Uh, It's uh, Loving the Brothers is the first one, right? So tell me how does that how does that start? How does that play into your, your whole background? How did you get to writing the book Loving the Brothers? Yeah, it's here. I thought I would mm-hmm. show off my cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it's originally an oil painting, a bespoke oil painting. Mm-hmm. Um, my three um, uh, uh, characters are on the front of the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2016, I was fast approaching a milestone birthday mm-hmm. and I wanted to acknowledge it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I had three things on my bucket list, as they say, that I wanted to get through <laughs> with. Um, go on a cruise, um, do my master's, mm-hmm. or write a book. And mm-hmm. as you know, all three of those things are quite expensive um, to to do, you know, especially mm-hmm. um, studying for your master's, unless yes, you get yes. 
sponsorship, you know, trying to do it by yourself can be quite difficult. But also I felt that with doing the nine to five job and all the other things that I'm involved in, mm -hmm. I didn't really feel as though I had the um, headspace to do something academically. So mm -hmm. I dropped that one off. But um, I happened to be a friends plus one at an event when I sat on a table with a really successful author and I was in awe of her you know mm -hmm. she had a stack of her books called mm -hmm. um, Geraldine's Pearl on the table mm -hmm. and um, I said to her what I always say one day I'm going to write a book and she said keep in touch with me I'm moving into publishing and let's work together and see if we can get that done Good. and she she drove me um, encouraged me mentored me until Loving the Brothers um, came into came into being so the book, in a sense, is about three women who beat meet the Morgan brothers. Here mm. they are, again, mm -hmm. um, Marcus, Manley, and Junior. Mm -hmm. And um, life isn't quite what it seems when they get with the brothers. Mm. And the women plot to leave the brothers on the same day. So that's wow. essentially what the book is about. So and it shows you, you know, how we live in London. Mm -hmm. um, it shows you the kind of lifestyles we have, mm -hmm. um, the places that we go to, the activities um, that we do. There's loads to do in London. Um, but the book is set to... in Jamaica, isn't it? It's part set in London, and then mm -hmm. something happens in the book, which means they have to go to um, Jamaica. Okay. So they go to Negril. Mm -hmm. um, in Jamaica. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I'm pulling in my experiences of traveling to um, Jamaica. I've mm -hmm. been to uh, Montego Bay and I've also stayed in Ocherias as well mm -hmm. on two occasions. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to pull in what it's like for someone who travels to the Caribbean for the first time, like how women cope with the heat the mosquito bite, <laughs> the places where they go to, going uh, up Dun River Falls for the first time. <laughs> I do remember thinking I must be the first, I will be the first person to fall down Dun River Falls and oh, have wow. to be airlifted out of there. Um, <laughs> thankfully, that didn't happen, but you're I'm able to pull in. Sorry. You're doing better than me because you do, you're doing a lot better than I am because I never went to Jamaica, actually. I would like to go. I visited Barbados, but I would like to go to Jamaica and Trinidad. For sure. Um, I've been fortunate um, to be able to travel the Caribbean quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Remember I was saying about my bucket list of doing the yes. um, going on a cruise. Yes. And I was fortunate to go on a cruise, which took me to Grenada, Antigua, mm -hmm. um, St. Martin, uh, BVI, mm -hmm. um, Grenada. Mm -hmm. um, so I was very fortunate to visit those places. And obviously yeah. as a person with Barbadian citizenship I've been going backwards wow. and forwards um, to Barbados most of my young adult life um, wow. and you know and went twice in 2020 mm -hmm. um, so yes so um, I, I can say that I know Barbados in particular very very well. That's something very interesting you say you still have Barbadian citizenship I thought you had to give up one or the other so how is it that you're no. No, unfortunately, um, the rules allow for you to have dual heritage. Wow. So I have a um, British passport and Barbadian citizenship. Wow. And now we are a republic. Mm -hmm. I want to get my Republican <laughs> passport. So that's what ah, I've been yes, holding yes, out yes, for. Yes. So hopefully I'll be able to get my Barbadian passport and mm -hmm. I can travel um, like a local, not all of those queues backing out of the door. I can travel <laughs> as somebody coming home. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to doing that. So how does it make you feel with Barbados? Well, sorry to change the conversation a bit, but how does it make you feel that Barbados is now a republic? I never thought that I would see that in my lifetime. It has been a um, desire, I suppose, of Barbadian, some Barbadian people, yes. uh, you know, decades before I was born. I suppose um, the conversation started when Barbados mm. became um, independent back mm. in 1966. So mm. um, it's a conversation that's been happening before I was born. Yes. And every government that comes in, whether they are a D or a B or mm. whatever else, have always mm. promised Mm -hmm. that they would be the government that would make Barbados become a republic. But it took a woman, it yep, took yep. Mia Motley, to um, make that happen. It was an election promise that she mm -hmm. fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm very pleased about finally severing the ties yes. with um, with um, the United Kingdom in that way. Wow. 
and I like to think <laughs> I like to think it hasn't impacted on um, tourism or anything mm-hmm. like that. Once people love Barbados, yes. they 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 come back and they are repeat visitors. So that's yes, yes. Um, that's really good. Yes, it's actually sparked a lot of conversations around the Caribbean as well. Uh, for other countries to now leave the United Kingdom and join their own republic, I think uh, uh, Jamaica. Uh, Andrew Holness, the Prime Minister, said it has to go to a to a vote. Uh, and he's actually seriously considered. Actually, when Barbados became a republic, a lot of people in Jamaica were, were ticked off. I mean, they were really upset because they thought they were supposed to be the first ones, right? But no, uh, Bob Mia Mothi is such a such a fantastic politician that she she did it herself. And it took a woman. It took a woman. I, I have to take my hat. Well, Barbados isn't the first. I think Barbados is the fifth or the sixth Caribbean. I mean, um, the, the first in this wave. In, I, in I know this because there was wave, Guyana, absolutely. there was Trinidad. It was Guyana first, then it was Trinidad. I think, yeah, it was a Guy- Guyana first and then Trinidad. Yep. Those two, and now it's Barbados. Absolutely. And I, you know, and as I said, I really do hope that um, other Caribbean islands follow suit as well. But more yeah. importantly, I hope there is some kind of unification of the Caribbean islands yes. um, as well, because, you know, I should be able to travel to the Bahamas as freely <laughs> as, uh, you know, yeah, uh, the Bahamas yeah. or Grenada or Antigua. I should there should be some more inter-island travel, and um, I hope that the governments can work together to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing about that is, is that the airlift, the airlift, they can't get the airlift, and they can't get a Caribbean airline for some strange reason. Uh, they have Caribbean airlines and they have Liat out of Antigua, but it doesn't cover the entire region. It's, it's very expensive, and they still have to travel in and out of Miami, Florida. To get to the Yellow Island. Say, for example, when I, when I went to Barbados the last time, I had to travel to South Florida and then back to Barbados and then from Barbados back to South Florida and then back to Bahamas. And so there's not been an airline. They haven't been able to gather their minds around a proper airlift that could actually be reasonable and sustainable over the long term. That's the first thing. So I think they need to work on that. Uh, the second thing is, is that we had a union before. I, you, you would know. We had a union back in the 60s where everyone was a part of the Caribbean, where I think the headquarters was in Jamaica, and it was the Caribbean Union, I think it was, my memory serves me correctly. Uh, I think it's the Caribbean Union, yes. And they all broke off because everyone felt as if one was pulling more weight than the other one. So I think it was Jamaica that started to make noise the first time around where we had the Caribbean Union, where they thought they were pulling most of the weight in the Caribbean, so they wanted to break up inside their own country. And then it went like that, and then it just disintegrated, you know? So, yeah, I think, I think... I think it can happen again if we really put our minds to it, if we really want to come together. But knowing knowing people as they are, uh, people don't want to come together. People want their own separate, you know, parts of the land. I think we've been separated for so long, just like in Africa. You know, all those different tribes in Africa, you can never have a single African union ever again, I think, because it's all one, it's all separate countries. You know, Zambia here, Ethiopia here, Nigeria here, uh, Ghana there. And they have their own ethnic tribes. They think they want their own space. You know, even in Europe, people think that Europe just started off as it was. No, Europe was a bunch of stuff. There were different tribes. You know, the the, the Gaelics and the, and, and the Scottish and and the, with the Huns, and they were all separate people. And they decided to come together. Now as a European Union, they want to be decent. Now as a European Union, but they weren't always like that. And it, no, it but wasn't not necessarily. I mean, hmm? as you know, the UK um, took part um, in a referendum. Yes. not that long ago and mm-hmm. um, when it comes Brexit. to you know economics <laughs> and so on we you know we're out of it we're out in a, yeah. a loop we're out there on yeah. our own yeah. and yeah. Um, as far as i'm concerned the only difference between you and i is where the boat stopped yes. so yes. um you know there's a lot more <laughs> that unites us yes. um as a, in a caribbean people that divides yes. us and yes. if we can yes. get past that mindset yes. so I even so. though i'm very much you know for barbados you know i've mm-hmm. been to the bahamas i've traveled mm-hmm. through the caribbean mm-hmm. um, we've all got similar ways of how we do similar things you know yes. there's yes. about you know the the you know, I'm thinking about in terms of cuisine and so on. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar mm-hmm. for that. You mm-hmm. might call it something else. I might yeah. call it bakes and you call it sugar <laughs> dumplings or fried dumplings or whatever. Yeah. But basically, if it's got cornmeal and flour in it, it's the same thing. <laughs> yep, so, yep, yep. I definitely think that there is more that um, uh, unites us than divides, divides us. us. And, yes. and back to the book, you know, I based yes, part please. of it in Jamaica. <laughs> 
but I have characters who are from Barbados, you know, mm-hmm. who are from Guyana, who are from all, all over. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's my at- attempt at saying that there is more of us that, um, you know, that um, unites us than actually divides us. And, yes, yes. you know, once upon a time when I was growing up in the 70s, if you saw another black person on the road, you always held them or you gave mm-hmm. them the nod or, you know, <laughs> or you had a conversation with them. Yes, it's about yes. acknowledging each other regardless of where we come from. We were saying, I see you. I see you, brother. Mm, I see yes, you, yes. sister. Yes. And it didn't really matter where you were from. You know, yes. even if you were from the continent, from Africa, you still acknowledged each other because you saw each other. And I think that's the most important thing that we need to return to. Yes, yes, yes. That's good. You put it like, like, like putting it like that, Pamela. So uh, a bit more about the book. Uh, you three black men. Now, this isn't a black men bashing book, is it? No. no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, but you know that's also, in fashion. Um, I, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I tend not to <laughs> um, subscribe to that. Yes. I'm outnumbered at home. I'm surrounded by men at home. <laughs> Um, so, um, you know, that's definitely not my style, but it mm. is about looking at what works, work, mm. what um, healthy relationships look like, mm-hmm. and also when things go wrong, what they don't look like, what they shouldn't look like. Mm-hmm. So it's about looking at it all. Yes. And um, very much we're about shoving things under the carpet because we don't want our men to be seen in a particular way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, out of the three men, there are three different men. And, um, you know, it's interesting that one of my characters, Marcus, for example, is the epitome of what we think a man should be. Mm-hmm. Yet I have had women contact me and say, well, when is he going to turn? Mm-hmm. You know, he's too good to be true. And it's almost <laughs> that we don't recognize good men when we see them. Yes, so yes, I'm yes. about promoting balance as well um, yes. in, in my books. So yes. I definitely wouldn't call it a male bashing book. It's being good. read by men as well as um, as well as women. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had um, men contact me and say that their wife has been stuck in this book for a few <laughs> weeks. And they've turned around and they've equally become um, fans of the book as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely not a male bashing book. And it's not just for um, Black people. You know, mm-hmm. other people have been reading the book. The book is being read in Australia, New Zealand, um, all across Africa, Caribbean, and America. So it's not um, just for us, the so loving the brothers. Going? So how's the it's book going? going it's going very, very well. I'm very, very pleased. Um, mm-hmm. I got the second book. Um, I got a publishing deal in um, January 2022. Oh, okay. For three books. Mm-hmm. Um, so after hunting um, the looking for a publisher and being on that treadmill of mm-hmm. um, wanting to be traditionally published, yeah. finding yeah. an agent and all of that rigmarole and also sticking to my guns because mm-hmm. whilst publishers were interested, there were mm-hmm. things about the book that they wanted to change. Oh, so wow. they didn't like, yeah, they didn't. So I was self-published in 2018. Mm-hmm. Then I went to look for a traditional uh, publishing deal mm-hmm. um, and they wanted um, me to change the cover. Oh, wow. They okay. wanted me to um, change the name of the book. They didn't like mm. the name of the book mm. and they didn't like the fact that my three main protagonists were black women. Oh, wow. And unfortunately for them, they were my three non-negotiables. Yes. So um uh, you know, 2020 then came and the murder of George Floyd. Yes. Um, we had these publishers coming out saying, well, where are these black authors? We don't see them. Mm-hmm. We don't know where they are. We've been here mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just didn't see us. And then, as I said, they wanted me to change my um, book that um, basically I wouldn't recognize myself anymore. I wouldn't, it wouldn't yes. be my work anymore. Yes, yes. So yes. I stuck to my guns. And fortunately, a publisher in um, South uh, Carolina found mm-hmm. me, a small press, um, mm-hmm. traditional press. And mm-hmm. I'm one of their first um, fiction authors. So um, 
they gave me the opportunity to rewrite Love in the Brothers, um, which I did. I added three additional um, chapters. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said, well, why did you do that? Why did you um, change it? And I thought, well, you upgrade your phone every two years. Mm-hmm. Why can't I upgrade the book? So mm-hmm. I did that. And both books, Love in the Brothers and Love in the Sisters, which I've got here. Here's mm-hmm. a copy of Love in the Sisters. Oh, we're going to get um, that book next, right next. Yeah, but yeah. before we go there, before we go there, uh, tell me a bit about how that conversation went when they tried to when they asked you to change the content of the book. How did that conversation go? How did, how did that start? Well, they said they didn't like the title "Loving the Brothers" because mm-hmm. it spoke to a particular demographic, mm-hmm. and that just proved to me that they didn't even crack the manuscript to have a look at it because. Mm-hmm. Um, they they would have realized that there are three actual brothers that I'm mm. talking about and mm. I wasn't talking about a demographic yes. I was talking about how difficult it can be to love a brother love mm. a um black man mm. um in the circumstances that we're in you know mm. so you know I'm talking about mental health I'm talking about stereotypes I'm talking mm. about how much pressure that black men can be under it can be difficult for them to be loved mm-hmm. but so they didn't get that they mm. didn't get the fact that um three of my protagonists are black women mm-hmm. but i wanted to demonstrate that domestic abuse can happen to any woman at any point of her career and my mm-hmm. and we're not monolithic we're not all the same i mm-hmm. wanted to prove that um you know three black women are very different um mm-hmm. so that's why i chose them and um, they they didn't like the cover because in terms of their marketing, their ideal, what they've got in their head, because remember Great these whites. publishers are running a business. Mm-hmm. They didn't think that people would be attracted to the cover. Yeah, so yeah. Um, they were the main three um, reasonings that was happening behind the scene. That said, Yuri, if mm-hmm. a publisher came to me today and offered me a six figure sum for the <laughs> book. They can change the cover if they want to. Um, yeah, but until then, uh, it's my book and I wanted to tell our stories and I wanted yes. to tell it in my way. So that's yes. important to me. Yes, yes, and it's interesting important. that since 2020 and the George Floyd stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen some beautiful covers um, on, on books now with um, our images on the front of them and they're selling just as well as the other books. Yes, yes, that's good. That's good. So it isn't about black power. It's just about a story about abuse uh, from three brothers on three separate women. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, it, it should be an awesome read, man. So this book dovetailed into a second book, right? And it's a, this is a trilogy of books, isn't it? That's right. So, I mean, it was always intended to be a trilogy um, mm-hmm. of books. So I've had the working title Loving the Brothers for about mm-hmm. 20 years since I decided wow. I wanted to write. A 20-year process, I- Pamela. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> again, it's not knowing where to start. Um, mm-hmm. It's not knowing how I'm going to be supported on this project. Mm-hmm. I've never done a writing course. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew that it was something that I wanted to um, wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so yes, um, it has been 20 years in the making. But also, mm-hmm. I do believe that nothing happens before it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, the, the process has given me the you know the time to decide um, yes. how I wanted to get those books out there and how I wanted to make an impact and approaching a milestone birthday really helped with that because I wanted to get the books um, out there. So yes, it's dovetailed into my second book, which is called um, Loving the Sisters. It's part mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. of the um, trilogy, and mm-hmm. Loving the Sisters is about um, loyalty and sisterhood. Mm-hmm. And how we, as Black women, come together to support one another. You have a copy of the book there? Show the copy of the book so people can see it. Yeah, yeah. this is my hardcover. I absolutely love it. It's lush. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It's out there. This mm-hmm. is a watercolor. Mm-hmm. And um, as artwork? you can see, I've got um, the, 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 the picture behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely love it. So Who did the artwork? Yeah. Um, who did it? Yeah, the artwork um, is by a company called um, Frank Images, and mm-hmm. the watercolor was prepared by a man called Kevin Williams. Okay, and um, he just he just gets me. So my very mm-hmm. first meeting with him, mm-hmm. I told him a little bit about the um, plot, 
and he said I got it and that's what he came back what he came back with for for both books so he will be doing the cover for my third book which I'm writing at the moment amen that's good that's good so what's the name of the third book now? the third book is called loving the children loving the children okay and it looks at the impact of domestic abuse on um, children from mm -hmm. before they're born right the way through to mm -hmm. 18 years old okay so um and it follows on from loving the brothers and loving the children that's part three part three okay so loving the brothers was about domestic abuse on three women so now three women are now in the second book loving the sisters uh what is that book really about is that about abuse of uh, black men by black women <laughs> so no no, no um, <laughs> um although you're, you're you're getting me thinking about mm, perhaps, perhaps a series it can't because... happen you know it can't of course happen. it does yeah. of course it does it goes both it goes both ways mm -hmm. um and it happens in same-sex relationships as yes, well. Yes, there's yes. elder abuse. There's mm -hmm. um, child abuse. There's, mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's a range of abuses that can happen mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it's about power and control in those relationships. Yes. So, yes, yes it could be something that I could explore. But mm -hmm. part one is how the women meet. Mm -hmm. Part two is about how they escape. Mm -hmm. And part three is the fallout from... Wow their decisions that's so children that's, getting all that that soaking in all that abuse wow well yeah so i mean research suggests that you know well children are very often in the same room or in the adjacent room when mm -hmm. domestic abuse is occurring so mm -hmm. nobody escapes from this unscathed yes. um so it's about exploring what happens you know one of my characters is expecting a baby and what we do know is that mm -hmm women who are, are, are experiencing abuse who are also expecting miscarry early mm. um they give birth um before they're supposed to the babies yes. are born who have low birth weights yes. they fail to reach their milestones like you should do and all those kind of things they suffer school anxiety having mm. to leave the parent while they go to school mm. you know so there's a range of things that happen from naught to 18 that um, I suppose many people think that children aren't aware of because they, yes. they, you know, they're packed away to other family members or they're in the next room, but children mm -hmm. over here, they pick up vibrations mm -hmm. and um, they, they see these things and it has its own impact on the, on their own behavior as well. And that's a serious conversation, you know, Pamela. So I guess from your experience working as a, as a, a counselor in the United Kingdom, uh, that you've seen this time and time again. So tell me, uh, the, this, this situation just keeps on repeating itself. What are some of the things that you've seen from your experience working in the United Kingdom as a grief counselor? Or as well, a, as a... Probation service. Yeah, probation um, service, um, yes. Yeah, working in the probation service. So I was a senior probation officer, but I also spent time um, working on the domestic abuse program. So yes. during that time, I must have heard hundreds and hundreds of stories from um, men who, mm. who battle women. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've learned is, is that very often perpetrators of domestic abuse are also victims of domestic or survivors of domestic abuse as well. Yes. And um, very often have learned no other way of dealing with uh, or how to manage um, relationships because they've mm -hmm. not been on the receiving end of seeing good examples of what mm -hmm. parenting looks like, what mm -hmm. um, being in a relationship looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, um, part of the course, the first um, nine months was about unpicking all of those beliefs and mm -hmm. false beliefs about what relationships look like. Yes. And the latter part of the course, which took another nine months, was about um, equipping the men with other um, skills with new skills yes. of how to manage um, relationships and the um, in terms of um, reoffending rates um, two years down the line the course look was, was was doing really well in terms of um, supporting men around those issues mm -hmm. I also worked with survivors of domestic abuse mm -hmm. and I was then on the receiving end of hundreds of stories from women Mm -hmm. who were telling me their situations and some mm -hmm. of the things that they had gone through and that hasn't stopped so in the last four years 
men and women are still reaching out to me via social media to tell me their stories. They start off with talking about the books. So they mm -hmm. start off <laughs> with good. their favorite character. So, you know, a lot of women <laughs> like Charmaine because she's mm -hmm. a bit of a fighter. She doesn't mm -hmm. take, um, you know, doesn't suffer fools gladly. And mm -hmm. then they morph into telling me about their own experiences of um, mm -hmm. domestic abuse. And I found that I have quickly had to signpost men and women to support services in the UK for them to get um, support for their situation. So mm. that's very important that people feel able to reach out to me and mm. I'm able to also pass them on to the correct associations to help them out. So let me ask you a question, Brown. So what are some of the successful things that you've seen uh, that can be implemented in some of these domestic uh, abuse situations that, have actually, that actually work, that can actually break the pattern from passing it on from child to child to child? What are some of the success I, things? I think one of the most successful things or one of the most um, helpful things that people can do is to get some kind of counselling, mm. um, you know, some kind of talking therapy, mm -hmm. some kind of one-to-one -one, um, in terms of talking through what the issues might be. The thing mm. is, there isn't just one pathway mm. um, because it's not one, one glove fits all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people have to really... Um, about where to be unpicked you know to mm. unpick things and to talk about things mm. so i will say the number one thing that you can do for yourself is to get some counseling in terms of talking through with a professional to yes. talk through what those issues might be yes 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 i can imagine all the horror stories you've seen over the past several years about who's been going through what and people go to work and they put in the smile on their face and they're dealing with a lot of issues at home man it's just amazing how how we've been able to mask how society's been able to mask this over the last several years. But I, I do you think it's as bad as it was, let's say, thirty years ago as it is now, or has it gotten worse, or has it gotten better? Um, I think it's just as bad, but different things trend at different times. So, for example, mm. a lot of people stayed in marriages much longer than they should have mm. because they did not have the financial stability to be able to do anything else. Mm. So if your husband worked and you were indoors, mm. run and go where, you know, especially mm. yeah. in the Caribbean, you know, a small yeah. islands like Barbados, but you can't run to the next gap. The man yeah. will find you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, when you're financially dependent on somebody, it makes people stay in relationships yes, much yes. longer than they need to if you have pressure from you know his family her family society to stay and honor your wedding vows through sickness and through health through better through and um, um, through worse then mm. people you know honor those vows and they yes. stay a lot longer than they than yes. they should do yes indeed, so um, the fear of leaving could be actually worse than actually leaving itself and wow. if you're in a society where the police don't take you seriously the court system don't take you seriously your family are telling you to stay maybe mm. english isn't your first language mm. and for a lot of women in the uk they were promised you know british citizenship when they entered into marriage and mm. 10 years down the line nothing has been done so wow. you fear if you go so to the authorities you're going to be um deported so well, you said um, there are lots of things you said sorry sorry to cut you off. You said something interesting. Yes, I want you to go back and repeat that again. The fear of leaving is different is, is greater than the fear of actually leaving itself. Oh, absolutely. You know, some women are trapped in a cycle where the um the fear about trying to think about what an exit plan might look like oh, is wow. scary. That's yeah, powerful. for some women, they don't have access to social media. They don't have a phone where they can look up resources um, on. Mm. Um, they don't have friends because by that time, they're so far down the road in terms of being um, of being trapped. They mm. have locked off family, friends. You know, you know, some women have had to give up their jobs. Mm. Some women don't even have their own bank accounts. So mm. if they are working, salaries are paid into the man's bank account. Mm. You know, it wasn't that long ago in this country in the United Kingdom, you could beat a woman with a stick no bigger than your thumb. It was wow. legal. Yeah. Um, you know, um, rape in marriage only became um, illegal recently in recent times. So we're not going back to the, the dark ages. We're mm. talking recent times. So mm. when you're trapped in those kind of things, you know, you've got mm. the church telling you that you need to honor your vows, you know, you need yes. to stay in a marriage that you're unhappy in, you know, and we've seen, you know, women are killed 
in the mm. UK twice. Uh, sorry, two women are killed in the UK every week. So it's wow. a an epidemic um, in wow. the United Kingdom. And I could imagine that that is duplicated around the world. We saw yes, this during pandemic times mm -hmm. when the number of domestic reported domestic abuse cases rose globally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, governments quickly had to put resources in places to fund more um, places at women's refuge and, and so on, um, because yes. it was... Um, probably the first time some couples were around each other 24 7 for a yeah. sustained period of time yeah and they couldn't take it yeah, <laughs> yeah i can see myself living with my wife for the rest of my life <laughs> you can, they, say, say. <laughs> they can't i can't see myself living with my wife for the rest of my life <laughs> that's uh, like a crass joke but uh but no uh, we're having a conversation right now in the bahamas where i am right now nassau bahamas we're having a conversation right now about marital rape and should be legalized or uh, make it illegal, make marital rape illegal. We're having that conversation right now. And of course, you know, the, the church is on one side and everybody else is on the other side. And mind you, there are some, there are some hardcore conservative men who don't want marital rape to be illegal because they believe that you can't really rape your wife because your wife is supposed to be yours. And now to, to their point, to their point, I, I just want you to let me, I just want you to hear the side of their argument to their point is that, they have, a, they have laws in place already for abuse. And if your spouse is abusing you, there's laws in place right now that could say that you can leave your husband or have him bound over the peace or have him put out of your house. And anything after that would be assault or rape. So they say we already have laws in place that we don't need to go for marital rape. So what do you say to something like that? Well, the thing is, you know, these things are set in um, a, a very um, patriarchal and can be an um, um misogynistic as well mm. um it's interesting that here in the uk um when a wealthy woman married a man mm -hmm. her title her property any land that she owned money that she had automatically went to the husband mm -hmm. um and um there are some men out there who believe that women are their property Yes. Along with um, their houses, titles, wealth yes. and all that. And, and that's what that's something that I'm quite strong that we need to move away, move away, move away yes. from. Yes. And I suppose okay. that's one thing I'm um, hoping that the government of Barbados looks at, because there are lots of old statutes that we've taken on board from colonial times and um, that we need to banish from the statute books altogether. Yes. Yes. And this whole thing about marital rape, you can say no at any point, whether you're married to the man or not. Yes. And um, your body is your own body. And mm. who you choose to share it with is very important. Yes. And, you know, very often when we're talking about marital rape, it could be there's a spectrum of consent. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, very often no consent is, source, is um, sourced and mm -hmm. um, the woman is treated like property, like a piece yes. of meat. Like um, yeah. And we need to be in a modern um, society. We need to be looking at those issues. Yes. yes the I women agree. I certainly come across can describe some really brutal, um, uh, you know, being violate, violated in the most brutal ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, often shared with other people against yes. their consent. Yes. And um, I don't see how anybody can say that that's okay. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, you know, I we live in kind of like a jaded kind of uh, prism and a jaded kind of box, right? We don't see all these other things happening because it doesn't happen in our homes, right? But there are the women out there that are suffering, uh, suffering tremendously. You know, because like you say, they're, they're, they're shared uh, without their consent. They're passed around like they just meet. And this is supposed to be your wife, the mother of your kids to some extent. And this is how you treat your wife. I mean, it's amazing. You know, it, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad, really. You know, but I guess it's going to take another generation or so before it really starts to turn around worldwide. When we really start to take women serious. Because as we speak about our problems here in the West, you know, you have people in Saudi Arabia and Iran, who, women who really can't say anything. And that's a real shock. You know, so I, I think uh, we have to go a long way to go. Uh, me personally, I think they should marry, we, we shouldn't even be having the conversation about marital rape. That really should be something that we should have done away with a long while ago. But uh, of course you can rape your wife. Of course there are laws in place right now that can that a woman right now can go 
to the court or go to the police and say, you know, my husband, I want my husband bond, bond out of the peace. I want him away from me. I want to divorce him. I want to leave him. If he touches me again, this is assault. Yes, there are laws in the book. So we're talking about women who are trapped in relationships right now. We don't have time to go through that process. Who can be assaulted in, in their in their in their partnership? So yes. So you know, Pamela, you know, how long ago did the United Kingdom put in place marital rape? You remember? Can you say? Oh my gosh. Um, I think it was in the in the eighties. Um, I can't come back to you with an absolute date, but I think it's around that around that time. So very recent history. Mm. In the eighties, wow. That was just then. That was yesterday. I was born That's in the seventies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we just have a ways to go, Pamela. You know, but kudos to you guys for getting it done. I hope the Bahamas can get it done, and all the other Caribbean countries can get it done as well, because it's something that we need to take seriously, man. Because we can't be abusing women like this every 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 year and a year out, man. So yeah, yeah, but um, we can we can wring our hands and say, well, you know, it's going to take another generation. It's going to take. You know, but as far as I'm concerned, I can't change the world, but I mm. can change the world around me. Yes. So in terms of uh, what can I do in my capacity is I use my books as a platform to open up other doors where we can start yes. having these discussions as difficult as they might be. So mm. wherever I'm asked um, to go, I try and say yes. Um, and there is a radio station in the UK, oh, honestly, their 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 um, audience when they ring in when they their callers ring in you're mm. quaking in your boots you better know your stuff <laughs> yep. um, but um, so far I have been three times I always mm. go because I know that it's worth it if one woman can hear my voice yes. and understand that this is not her fault yeah yes. she didn't invite violence and yes. remember there's other forms of domestic abuse as well like emotional abuse financial abuse, yes. using the children to get to the woman, all those yes. kind of things. Yes. As once she realizes that it's not her fault, she can start mm. taking action about yes. what she's going to do about it. Mm. So um, I, I have been, I've lectured at universities. I have um, been on television. Um, I recently took part in a radio interview about mm. Harry and Meghan, but mm. again, <laughs> looking at oh, relationships. <laughs> but I use the book as a platform to raise issues around domestic abuse because a lot of women, a lot of men and women don't know what it is. Mm. Um, so um, I can, I, that's my contribution. That's what I can do. I can use the books as a platform to get into spaces that would otherwise be denied yes. to me and so start having that dialogue. Yeah. There you go and you can preach the gospel. So we kind of stumbled away from the second book. So Go into a bit more about the plot in the second book. We kind of understand what the first book is about, but tell me a bit more about the plot in the second book. Oh, right. I mean, I don't want to give away too much. I know, but, but um, tease, tease us. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, the key thing for me would be about the friendships of the women. So in Loving the Brothers, um, the characters meet up once a month mm. at um, a shopping centre that we have in the UK called Westfield. Mm -hmm. And they... Um, uh, in the main, it's about shopping and catching up and touching bases with each other. But it, but in Loving the Sisters, it takes on a more um, uh, objective-driven um, concept. So the mm. women meet up to discuss their exit plans and how they're mm. going to safely leave mm -hmm. the situation that they're in. Yeah. And um, um, I would say that Loving the Sisters is definitely about how the women support each other, how mm. they um, plan their exit plans, and also looks at what happens on the day that they actually leave and the fallout mm. from that as well. So, oh, wow. um, and as I said, Loving the Children is the fallout, what okay. happens afterwards, because it doesn't end, it doesn't end there. Sometimes mm. women go back um, mm. to um, what they know, Mm. And um, as I said, I don't want too many spoiler alerts about yeah, um, yeah. what happens. Save next. some, yeah. talk some, talk some, keep some. <laughs> yeah. So, so the second book isn't as dark as the first book. That's what you're saying. Um, I would say that it is. 
I would say wow. that it definitely is. Um, there are some light-hearted moments because I don't want anybody to become depressed by um, reading the, the, the reading the books. Mm. Um, and there are laugh-out-loud moments. I didn't think that people would get my sense of humour. There are fiery <laughs> characters in the book who offer light relief from such a dark um, subject. Mm. Um, but I like to think that it's a hopeful book. You know, mm. people have told me they have been travelling on the underground and they've missed their station because uh. they were engrossed in the book um i've got some very nice reviews on um amazon and uh, and in other places where people say that they were gripped you know mm -hmm. someone said you know fiction has never felt so real mm -hmm. and um, i really like that particular review um, of the of the book because they were gripped from start to finish you know yes. i've got friends who packed my books in their suitcase to take on holiday um, last summer Mm -hmm. um the um you know because they wanted a beach read and they were they were engrossed and i mm -hmm. suppose that's what you want yes yes so tell us where you can get the book from paula oh my um I think Amazon delivers, don't they, mm -hmm. to yep. the Bahamas and the Caribbean? Yep. Worldwide, yep. Oh, yeah, worldwide. Um, also, um, it delivers to um, Books A Million in the mm -hmm. States, mm -hmm. um, Target, Walmart, um, Barnes & Noble, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm particularly proud of because mm -hmm. um, when the book was first self-published, um, I was told that Barnes & Noble don't take self-published books, but they took wow. mine. Wow. So I'm really pleased about that. Um, so basically anywhere where any good books are sold. I, mm. I recently did a deal with um, a company called BlackRock Books, mm -hmm. which is based in Barbados, mm -hmm. and um, they have agreed to stop the book. So mm. and, you know anyone in Barbados can go to um, Black Rock Books, which is mm -hmm. in Black Rock, in mm -hmm. um, um, Bats Point, can, Bats Rock, they can mm -hmm. go and buy the, um, the, 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 order the books from there. And um, mm -hmm. they have promised me that they will order the books in. So anywhere, I would say, where good books are sold. And if you can't buy the um, books, they ask the, um, your local bookshop to stop the book and to order it yes. in for you. So yes. there's, there's nothing to stop them from doing that. Yes. Um, so yeah, the book is doing. The books are doing really well. Mm, that's good. So Pamela, Pamela Hayes, prolific author from the United Kingdom by way of Barbados. So the books are the first one, Loving the Brothers. The second one is Loving the Sisters, and the third one to be uh, to be published later is uh, Loving the Children. So Pamela, thank you so much for coming on here with us today on Lime Vibe, the podcast for the Caribbean and Central American region. I'm your host Yori Camp. So show us the books, Pamela. Very very good. Just there you go. Pamela, thank you so much for coming on with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I wish, I wish you all, all the best. best I wish you all the best with the book. You too. I wish you all the best with the book, Pamela. Thank you so much. Here I am again, Yuri Camp from Lime Vibe Podcast. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank you, Pamela. That's it.